Welcome to the Beyond Talent Podcast, where passion, mindset, and movement come together. For endurance athletes, by endurance athletes. All right, we're back with another episode, and today we're going to talk about the Boston Marathon, which happened yesterday. You might be hearing this a few days later, but uh, we're recording this the day after the Boston Marathon, and I love to get Ted's thoughts. I watched it. I don't know about you, Ted. Did you see it? I didn't see it, but I was reading a lot of the articles leading into the race, a lot of hype, and I was uh, following along the post-race analysis, and uh, one of my athletes actually raced out in Boston, so I have her perspective as well. Great. Would love to hear about that. So I noticed that Ellie Kipchoge was doing a lot of interviews because all I saw on YouTube were a whole bunch of different Elliot Kipchoge interviews. They were, he seemed like he was in nonstop interviews the days prior to the race. And that kind of gave me a little bit of concern for him because I'm like, wow, this guy's spending a lot of time in front of people answering a lot of questions. All of that takes a lot of energy, even though it's mental energy, it's still a lot of energy expenditure. I, I took note of that personally. And I was, curious to see how the race turned out and as we saw he was leading that pack for a good majority of the race and he was not uh drafting off anyone which that's something that i wanted to see how how it played out and and i wonder if the mental stress and kind of race execution may have played uh, a role in in terms of how that race unfolded um what do you think, Ted? Yeah, you make a great point. Like, I didn't even think about the pressure that he felt in the days leading up to it. But you're right. From some of the articles I read, they were predicting a Boston Marathon course record time, estimating that the finishing time should be around a 201. And uh, it's about, what, a minute and a half, two minutes off the course record time? Yeah, 20302 is the course record. Yep, so those are pretty pretty great expectations that you heap upon uh, somebody, even if they are a world-class superstar. Those are still pretty big expectations that you put upon somebody and uh, put them through all those nonstop interv- interviews. You're right, it just does take a lot of mental energy when you just want to focus on your race when you're coming in. Yeah, mental stress is just as impactful as physical stress, in my opinion. You don't really realize how much it'll impact you, but because you're not feeling it in your body as much, but um, it can de- it definitely drain you. So in any case, he, I, I, I don't have the, the miles correct. In fact, when, I, when you, if you watch the, sh- the race, they didn't tell you what mile they were at. They just had this bar across the top of the screen in terms of what neighborhood they were in or what part of that, that course they were in. So whether you were in the, you know Newton for the Newton Hills or towards the end it was Brookline and then Boston, you just kind of saw where on that little bar they were at on, on the race and they really give you the, the, uh, the mile markers essentially, you know, so it looked to me that around mile 20 plus that's when somebody else took over the lead and, uh, he faded to the back. He also missed a bottle late in the race. Yeah. And that bottle, I think that bottle could have been, uh, one of the key things like you saw that in the morning it was pretty, pretty overcast, looked like it was about to rain. So I'm sure the humidity there was pretty bad and, um, he's going to sweat a lot when it's humid. So missing one bottle, even, even in a two hour race, like you say, it's for him, it's only a two hour marathon race. Right. But even, even yeah. in those conditions, you're sweating a lot more 
and you're losing those fluids and you need to stay on top of that hydration in order to optimize the performance. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, if I, if I missed uh, a bottle, I would, uh, I don't know. I've never had, I've never had a bottle provide for me. So I've never had, had to miss one, but just thinking about that, it's kind of a, oh crap moment. And, and, um, he probably, it probably didn't affect him, but I believe there was one point when he did fade back. He, they were questioning whether he had dropped out. So I think he stopped for some reason. And I don't know what that was that I, I, they never showed it, but, um, in any case, I think that the winner, Evans Chabet, he's, he's a, that was his second time winning the race and he's run that course before. And the guys who finished in the top three had all run that course before, I believe. I know that the third place uh, runner, Benson Kip Rudo, he was a past champion. So having run the course makes a big difference, in my opinion, especially something like Boston, where there's so many hills. Obviously, Elliot knows how to run hills, but this is this is a different uh, marathon major compared to all the other ones, right? Tokyo's relatively pretty flat. Chicago's pretty flat. New York's got some hills, but there's all these other conditions that these other races have. London, I don't know how hilly London is, but Boston's its own animal. So I'm. it's going to be interesting to hear about your experience next year when you run it. So what did your athlete think about the race? So uh, she, was, she thought it was a pretty tough race. And for her, it took her 338 approximately. Um, that's not bad. Her goal was to go around 3:30, and um, she said that she started off a little bit fast with the downhill, cor- the net downhill at the beginning, and um, she was on target for her goal. But then the longer she ran, the worse the weather got, and then she started to feel the rain. The rain got to her mentally, and um, we talked. We talked about your running. Even you were talking about running in wet shoes the other day, and uh, she said it that sucks. that was in- that was uncomfortable and. Uh, that adds to that mental burden as well when you're running in wet shoes and uh, you got a bunch of hills coming up and you know, the course is yeah. only going to get harder in the last, in the second half. Three hours in soggy socks and shoes is horrible. I would not want to do that. Uh, it would definitely bother me mentally. Um, I would love to be able to not let that bother me, but it's not a pleasant experience at all. So. Yep. But overall she held it together pretty well and had a strong finish at the end. So even when you, I think it shows like even when you have mental breakdowns, it's not as bad as you think it is. That's true. It, it's just something that comes into your mind and it, and it, it's in there and it's kind of, you're thinking about it. As long as you're pushing through, you know, you can get through it, but ideally you, you just don't even want to think about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe some, somehow be a Zen master, play some Jedi mind tricks and, um, you know, sing yourself a song. Uh, while you're uh, trudging through soggy socks and shoes. So uh, the women's race was much more exciting, in my opinion. There was a lead pack that was there through, I think, mile 22, 23. It it got pretty late. And there was an American in that lead pack, Emma Bates, uh, which, you know, she looked pretty comfortable throughout that entire race. But I think towards the end, uh, the, the... the other girls just had a little bit more speed and were able to to just, you know, put the gas pedal down a little bit more. And the winner, Helen O'Beary, she recently came off the track. I think this was her second marathon of her career uh, and, and won it. That's pretty impressive. 
Yeah, indeed. It's, to do it all in your second marathon, um, she wasn't even highly regarded as one of the favorites coming into the race. Like one of the things I read was that she was a substitute because somebody dropped out of the race. So then the race director was like, all right, we need to fill up the field. Who are we going to call? So then I guess they just called her and brought her into the into the starting field. So lucky her yeah. uh, <laughs> and unlucky for the rest of the field. They're probably like, who? Who is it? Why, why do they let her in? <laughs> you know, maybe they, I don't know if the other con- competitors uh, felt she was a threat, but. Well, with her, with her pedigree, I, I mean, you'd figure she would be a threat. Like she, she obviously had the speed from uh, the track and field, the cross country championships, and uh, just, just not as much marathon experience as some of the other ladies in the field. Yeah. And the interesting thing is though, with her, she has a, a interesting running form. It, it's not smooth, in my opinion. I don't know if you saw it, but her arms, legs, her whole body—it's—it's—it's it's, it's kind of all over the place, in my opinion. It, it's not smooth. And imagine if she smoothed that out, how much faster maybe she could gain. But that just kind of goes to show that sometimes running mechanics might not even matter. So, yep, and I think I think it shows that there's no ideal form or no perfect form, right? Everybody, everybody has to That's run right. so however their body allows them to run. That's true. As long as she's not getting injured, hey, let, let it be. Right? Yep. All right. Well, as far as the, the men's side goes, the, there wasn't an American in the top five, but Scott Fauble, who was a, uh, had a pretty good uh, result in the past, came in seventh again. I heard this was either his second or third time placing sec- a seventh. And, you know, that's pretty dang good result. Um, Connor Mance, who was highly touted and, and is a top U.S. marathoner, he finished in 11th. So, and and believe, I believe Scott Fauble did pass him towards the end, which is pretty cool to see that uh, his experience uh, showed up. I think this might have been Connor Mance's first Boston Marathon. So, experience is, is important, but obviously for the uh, likes of Helen O'Beary experience didn't matter for her. Mm-hmm. She still came in there and, and crushed it. Yeah. And I think um, you were making a good point in the pre-production before we um, started recording. You were talking about how Kipchoge didn't really have a chance to preview the course and it could have been related to all, all his uh, media obligations before the race. But um with the guys who raced the race, they had that experience. They knew when the hills are coming up. They knew how to deal with the, the winds, what wind direction it'll be coming from at different parts of the race. And uh, Kipchoge, he didn't really have that benefit. If He, he seemed like he was kind of uh, just going out there and racing it without actually seeing the course or um, knowing the intricacies of the course. Yeah, I heard an interview where they asked him if he had previewed it or he had run parts of it, and he said no. He said no, and... I was a little surprised by that as well, despite his, you know, him being the greatest. And even if you drive the course, even if you drive a course, it's still not the same as having run it in the past, right? Mm-hmm. We we've driven it, uh, we drove the Dallas course and we saw the hills, and it's not the same as having running it, running it at that point in time of the race. And look, as great as Elliot is running that course, how much up and down that course has. It's not something that you can, I just don't know if you can fully prepare for it unless you've done it. And you can find a course somewhere else and run it and and do it and train for it. But the conditions aren't going to be the same. Probably you're not going to have 
the temperature and the rain um, involved with all of that, right? So there's nothing like running, ha- having done the course before and, and po- possibly having done it in similar conditions. Um, I th- I'm hoping Elliot will be back to run Boston again and hopefully he can execute that race in a way to, to win it. Um, but the Evans Chabet or yeah, Evans Chabet, he, he won it before and he showed what that experience can lead to. So, yeah. And, and knowing the course that helps play into your strategy as well. Like, you know, when are the Hills coming up? He was, when do you got to draft? You should probably be drafting yeah. before, before those Hills come up. You got to be able to save the effort for those hard parts. He wasn't leading the race. He wasn't out in front Evans. He was tucked in there, mm-hmm. I think, for the most part, because I didn't notice him till the end. So, so there's something to be said about drafting. And you know, Ted, come Eugene Marathon, I'm going to be drafting. I'm going to be tucking myself into a pack because I need all the marginal gains I can get uh, to qualify. So, and the conditions, it could be a rainy day that that uh, that Sunday morning. I don't know what the temperatures are going to be based on the 10 day outlook, which can always change because it's 10 days out. It looks like temps are warming up a bit, but com- but the morning temps will probably still be in in the good uh, the good range for 40s or 50s probably. But regardless of all of that, what what can I control? I can't control the weather, right? But what I can control is where I position myself in the race. And I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to sit there and break wind for anyone else. <laughs> I'm tucking myself into somebody, uh, a group, a pack, because that's where you get the best advantage. Uh, the wind advantages. Yep, absolutely. And sometimes it's hard to be behind somebody. Like it's 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 easier when you have clear vision in front of you. But I think it's where most marathoners go wrong. They feel like they have to pass the person in front of them. I say just race and be patient and take advantage of the free speed. Yeah, depending on where the wind's coming from and all of that, and and how much visibility I need, uh, I'll, I'll position myself hopefully in the right spots. But I definitely don't want to be out in the open. I don't want to be out in the open, you know, doing like the time trials I've been doing in my training. Those, those weren't fun having the wind blasting your face and slowing you down. So, but again, that's Elliot Kipchoge. He can do whatever he wants and he, he's probably won plenty of races sitting out there in the front, uh, cutting through the wind. It is what it is. I'm not criticizing him. I'm just saying, uh, maybe not the way I would have run it. Um, and it doesn't matter how I run it because I'm not Elliot Kipchoge. So. Yeah, and kudos to Kipchoge anyway for finishing sixth. Like after he got dropped, he didn't he didn't give up. He just he just kept on running and he still kept going at a pretty good pace and uh, finished sixth overall. So it wasn't a bad day at yeah, all. Yeah, there was no no not at all. He he ran a two oh nine twenty three and actually at one point near the end they showed Connor Mance behind him within distance of passing him. And I was like, oh boy, I, I know what, I'm pretty sure I know what he's thinking, like Connor, right? He's like, I see Elliot in front of me. I want to, I would love to place before him. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. And uh, towards the end, Elliot, they showed back, they went back to Elliot and there was no Connor Mance behind him. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he, put, he, he brought it home strong, Elliot. So good stuff. I think it's a good point for a coach's corner. We haven't had one in a bit. But this conversation around the Boston Marathon, looking at how the competitors executed the races between the men and the women, um, what, are you, what are your thoughts? What are your takeaways here that our listeners 
could benefit from? Um, well, I, I don't know if we uh, addressed it, but I was I mentioned the humidity on the course, and I noticed that in the men's race they started off at a pretty fast clip, right? Um, mm. In the first five k, maybe first ten k, they were they were probably on course record pace, if not faster. Um, and when it's a humid day, I think in terms of pacing, you got to be you got to walk that that line very carefully, because if you go too fast in the humidity, you're going to pay the price for it later on once you dehydrate yourself and um maybe that's what happened to kipchoge the other day or on um on monday but um yeah i always say you have to adjust your paces for the humidity and um take that into consideration you can't expect to go out there and have a world record day on a day when the conditions aren't world record quality Uh, another one i think we were talking about is the knowing the course for i don't care if you're a bike racer runner um triathlete but knowing the course is definitely going to help you on race day so if you if you do get a chance if you get there early enough um driving is good but actually being able to do key sections of the race is always going to be helpful it's always going to be beneficial because then you realize how steep is the steepness of the hill or how long is that hill uh things like that will prepare you mentally and and it'll help you hone in on your strategy as well leading into that place it's like when you know the landmarks for all right hills coming up maybe you just dial it back a little bit before that hill so you save a little energy for once you got to go hard up that hill and then the other thing is the variable pacing of going up and down hills and making sure you incorporate that into your training because some courses are flat like berlin perfectly flat chicago perfectly flat but for a course like this you have to incorporate into your training not just getting in the miles but getting in the miles where you're getting your heart rate up a little bit above where you want it to be. And then your heart rate might go a little bit below where you want it to be. And uh, having the ability to buffer that that up and down uh, variability in your heart rate. Yeah, the last one we talked about is race execution. Like one was the possibility that could have hindered Kipchoge is missing that water bottle. And even though it's only a two-hour race, even in two-hour races where it's humid out, hydration is is important. What about drafting? Do you think he would have he should have drafted more? Uh, it's hard. Talked himself. Yeah, in? it's hard to say. Like um, he could have been a marks man in this race, so maybe nobody else they, nobody they, else wanted to go to the front. They're like, okay, you're you're the you're the superstar. You go to the front. That's true. You know, you might tuck yourself in, but if the other guys slow down, and you know, they decide like, no, 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 I'm going to slow down. I'm going to I'm going to kind of let you go in front. Then you're forced to decide: Do I slow down even more, or do I just keep going? Right. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. I've never been in this situation where where I'm racing with people that, that don't want me behind them or even know that I'm behind them. Right. So, um, you're not, you're not marked in your also, marathons. No, I'm definitely not marked in my marathons. All right. Very good. Race execution, course knowledge and experience and knowing the conditions and, and, uh, running with those conditions in mind. Mm-hmm. So I think the execution piece as, as, as far as, uh, how you run that race and, and getting the right, making sure you, you get all your nutrition and knowing the conditions are kind of, they kind of go hand in hand, right? Like if it's humid, it's like you definitely probably don't want to miss a water bottle, but, but look, what can you do when it's wet out and you're going for four thirty whatever, four, four forty per mile, you're going fast. Like get grabbing that bottle that's wet is probably pretty difficult unless you slow down and be really, really intentional about picking it up, you know, Mm -hmm. good stuff, Ted. All right. Well, 
This is our quick segment on the Boston Marathon. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Until next time, keep elevating your passion, your mindset, and your movement. Go beyond talent. <laughs>